All right, welcome to the Armchair Commanders podcast. My name is John. And I'm Jack. And this week we're deviating a little bit from our normal um, viewing experience. Generally, we stick with uh, movies, but we have a special guest joining us this week. And uh, he has chosen to review the miniseries Generation War. Uh, Matthew, if you'd like to introduce yourself and tell the folks about your yourself yeah hi my name's matt leach um i played floyd talbot in band of brothers um i run a podcast called we happy few 506 and tours and battlefield tours and that kind of stuff um and you guys reached out to me to come on your pod to chat about war films uh and every single war film i suggested someone else had already reviewed so I decided that I wouldn't mind talking about Generation War. Apologies about that. No, that's fine. The good ones always seem to be first. Yeah, I wanted to do Come and See, but I think someone already done that one. Uh, Although that always... Yep, that was one of our first movies. Kind of makes you sound like a bit of a douche when you choose that one, it being Russian and everything. Uh, But Generation War is, is... is fairly recent. I think it's about 10 years old, something like that. Uh, and I thought it was fantastic. So yeah, as far as I can remember, I will talk about it. Um, whether or not I can do an entire review of three 90 minute movies back to back, I'm not sure, but I'll give you my, <laughs> I'll give you my insight to it as is. Right. So I guess my, my starting off question would be, what about this particular series stuck out to you that made it uh, your choice for this week? Um, well, I sort of, you know, it's one of those things where you just think, ooh, that's interesting. I'll tap on that at 11.30 at night once you've put your kids to bed and you want to watch 15 minutes of TV. And then it's quarter to three in the morning and you know you're in trouble because you've been watching it for hours on end because it's brilliant. And then your daughter's going to jump on you at six o'clock in the morning and wake you up and it's a terrible error um i just tapped on the title because i thought oh, i'll watch a bit of that um like i said it's a german show um and it's really well done it's very high budget um i think it's brilliantly scripted it's brilliantly acted the lead actor in it whose name i can never remember although i do know his first name is volker um is a fantastic actor. He's also the lead, if you've, if you've seen it, it's a show called Babylon Berlin, which if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend watching, which is uh, about the period sort of in the early 30s to around the ascension of, of the Nazis um, in Germany. It's all set in Berlin um, and it's fantastically done. It's sort of a bit like something Christopher Richard would, would have written, who wrote Cabaret, well, who wrote I'm a Camera that became Cabaret. And the lead actor in that is a guy called Volker. He's a very skinny guy. And he heads a cast of, there's five of them, I believe. There's him, his brother, and their friend. Uh, and then the two women in their lives. And it follows them. This is Generation War, by the way. Uh, it follows them from sort of these sort of young, idealistic, healthy Germans. Not necessarily, not necessarily fascists, but they're idealistic Germans. Um, and he himself wants to go out and, and right. fight and, and be part of, he's not, he's not a Nazi, uh, be part of this sort of like glorious quest East for Laban's arm. Um, but the third, the third of them, their, their friend is in fact a Jewish tailor 
who one of the girls continually sort of hides and tries to help escape and that sort of stuff. And they make a pact that they were going to meet up in a year's time in this same pub once they've all gone off and they've conquered Russia and stuff. Um, and they're going to meet up. And of course it doesn't, doesn't go to plan at all. Um, the lead fella that this Volker actor, brilliant actor plays sort of, um, he's a, he's a brilliant soldier and a brilliant leader of men. His brother goes with him and his brother's, he's not a pacifist, but he refused to fight. He just says, this is going to be a murder machine. I think he describes it as a meat grinder and he refused to fire it going East. Um, right. Co-opted into the Einsatzgruppe. And he ends up just committing horrendous atrocities, joylessly committing horrendous atrocities as they go East uh, and then get pushed back again. Um, and everything, everything just sort of falls to pieces. You know, it's that sort of, it's the sort of end of that sort of German ideal suddenly falls to pieces and they start getting crushed out east and then they start getting pushed back and then they're fighting for survival. Um, and uh, one of the, of the girls, one of them joins up and becomes a nurse and sort of helps people out. And the other one's got ambitions to be a singer and she ends up dating a, an SS officer. Uh, to try and further her career. And it's in doing that that she ends up getting herself in the situation where she ends up being sent to jail and ultimately executed. Right. But what stands out for me as a show, other than how well it's done, is just how well acted it is. I, uh, I would agree with brilliant, that. And brilliant I think actors, it's, it? it's also very well written. Um, it, it was very reminiscent to me because I had not seen this show before. Uh, but I did watch, uh, I can't remember what year it came out, but it was fairly recent where they did a, uh, oh, yeah, it came out Doug Allen, with a reboot of uh, Das Boat, yeah, he um, is, which yeah, was, he was turned into kind of the, is he? That's, that's, uh. That's uh, fantastic. I, I love that show. I also, I love the original Das Boat, but I love the the expansion of the story that they did with that miniseries. Um, but this show is very reminiscent, um, at least visually, it was very similar. And uh, as far as yeah, the, and I think the shifting was, perspectives, yeah, it was also reminiscent of that as well. Well, I, sorry but to interrupt you, but the um, I I think at first <laughs> it's at, difficult. You know, if you if you are an American or if you're English or you're a Canadian filmmaker or television showmaker, and you decide to tackle that period in history, you, you've sort of got carte blanche to do what you want. Do you know what I mean? It's like, all right, we're going to tell this story, and we may show, like in Band of Brothers, we may show scenes where Spears allegedly shoots prisoners, or we may do this, or we may do that. But if you are German. And you're coming at it from a German perspective. I mean, you've really got to walk a very fine line of telling the truth, showing what happened, but in no way glamour. You can't in any way look like you've glamorized it. Do you know what I mean? I does that very, very well. Um, perspective. Right. It's uh, it's all it's almost as if, um, it's it's almost as if, from their perspective, they almost have to 
take the anti-war film yeah, approach yeah, every time well, they do yeah. it. And when they and they do that, or I mean, they yeah. do what they did, which is to just show you a no holes barred uh, a depiction of what it was like for sort of Wehrmacht soldiers, which is what the two brothers were involved in, what well, the elder brothers involved in, and then they just offset it with this sort of the Einsatzgruppe stuff, the executions and all that stuff, which they showed just completely no holds barred. It was it there was it was just sort of banal in the way they were just going from village to village just executing people. And there's just this sort of like joyless submission on the brother's face as he's just killing more and more people in from town to town. Um which I thought was brilliantly done. And the guy that plays the head at Einsatzgruppe officer that shoots the little kid after he gives him chocolate. He's a brilliant actor as well. He's in a show called Deutschland 83. He's a great actor, that fella. Yeah. I got to say, I, uh, I had to, I had to pause the show after that particular scene just because it was so abrupt and unexpected. It was just so like, like you, like the, the horrors of the Holocaust are, you know, obviously very well known and lots of shows and lots of movies i think demonstrate those horrors very well but just like a a civilian getting executed is not like a new concept for a depiction of the holocaust but just how abrupt that particular moment was in the show i was like oh shit and i was like i have to pause and like i had to like process it for a minute before i could yeah. continue again because i was like sort of choose a child and they've given him chocolate and all that business and then he just turns around puts one in the back of his head is yeah it's very yeah it's very arresting scene there and, and that again that i think that's quite reminiscent of come and see some of the scenes in come and see it reminded me of that <laughs> as well mm-hmm Yeah, yeah it definitely this had a lot of similarities to that movie, which was one of the first <laughs> movies we picked. For yeah, this any, any cheery shows on the podcast? Or we we had quite the uh, depressing streak. Oh yeah. <laughs> we don't really do well. Right. You could, I don't know. Does three hundred count? You could argue that Starship Troopers is kind of cheery in that whole fascist propaganda kind of way. Yeah. Wow, that really that sounds really <laughs> fucked up. Me saying that out loud, especially on the episode we're talking about actual Nazis. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> actual fascists. That's right. Did you know that the um, that Dale Dye did a boot camp for for Starship Troopers, and he was the military consultant. Was not aware of that. His group, Warriors Inc., that was their, I think it was one of the first shows. Yeah, I think it was one of the first films that they worked on, other than Platoon, obviously, years previously. Yeah, he worked, him and his team did all the sort of military consultation on huh. Starship Troopers. I knew that they had a filming accident during that film, but I wasn't That's... aware of it specifically. Oh, was the filming accident hiring Dale Die? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> but because <laughs> it could be considered so <laughs> so jack had you ever heard of or seen this series before 
I have actually. A buddy of mine and I were just watching YouTube, and you know those like videos that show up that are just bluntly describe the plot of a movie. Yeah. Like man is trapped three thousand years in the future, and then it's just a rapid fire of a guy saying, "This is Tom. He's trapped in three thousand years in the future." Well, it was this is Wilhelm Winter. He's a Nazi soldier. We watched an entire rundown like that of the series, just because it popped up in our recommendations and we were bored one night. So that I was like, "Huh?" Because you, you sent me that link. I'm like, "Why does this?" show sound familiar and i'm like oh it's this one the sad nazi show i was uh i was under the impression that i was completely unfamiliar with this but i had a similar experience where um you know youtube does its job of recommending just random clips and stuff um and a long long time ago youtube recommended to me the the scene where uh there in the all the german soldiers are all in the swamp and then the one soldier steps on a mine and uh i think it's i always get wilhelm and friedhelm switch whoever whoever decided to choose those two as the names did not think that one through because i was ha like and maybe this is just me being an american but i was like i'm having a super hard time differentiating the two names between the two actors but one of the the main characters yells out, and it's kind of become a meme almost. He's like, "Meaning," and then you know, they they back out, and then there's the the big explosion. Uh, so that was I was like, "Huh, that's in like I never made connected the dots that that was from this series." But other than that, I had never seen anything else from this show. Yeah, yeah, highly recommended. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, don't start it late at night. If you start it late at night, you're going to be up till five o'clock in the morning. Because the, the two episodes, they, they end on cliffhangers as well, as I remember, um, where you're pretty sure one of the brothers <laughs> died. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's, it's hard to, to walk away from it. Um, now, obviously, like we had talked about, this is, has multiple characters with multiple story arcs. What would you say, Matt, was your favorite character story arc? Um, one second, hang on, my dog's trying to come in. Come in. Uh, uh it's a good question. Um, I guess the younger brother, the younger brother that starts out like I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to farm a rifle. There's no way I'm going to do anything. Who gets forced to execute somebody, and then he just, he just, it just becomes kind of rote to him. I thought that was quite. I didn't see that coming, and I thought that was quite shocking. Um, I, that's they're all good story arcs, all of them actually. Um, but I do like the singer. That dates the Nazi, that dates the fascist, um, and then ends up she just pushes it far too far and calls his house and says she's his mistress, and then she, he ends up putting her in jail and she ends up getting executed. And all the way through it, you think she's not going to get executed. Somebody's going to there's going to be an eleventh hour saving or something, but she does. Uh, that's a massive spoiler to anybody who's not seen it, by the way. Um, 
I think I think that's a very yeah. I, I, I still think that's pretty shocking. Um, but yeah, I think I think of that. Those two are pretty pretty good. Um, but the main guy, I, I'm just a huge fan of the main guy. The guy plays the lead in it. That Volker fellow, I think he's fantastic. He's fantastic in that, and he's fantastic in Babylon Berlin. I mean, just if you haven't seen that, you should go and watch all five seasons, whatever it is of that. That is a brilliant, brilliant show as well. Just, just so well put together. I definitely appreciated how the roles of the two brothers, uh, you know, they switch. You know, yeah, you have one yeah. who's the the good soldier does as he's told and then eventually gets caught as, you know, the quote unquote deserter. And then you have the, the uncooperative brother who becomes the, you know, the ideal like killing machine. Um, it was a, it was a clever twist. I thought, especially with how yeah. the show opens up where the quote unquote good brother is like, this is my brother. He's about to no longer be useless. Yeah. And you see him like fall to the ground and you're <laughs> like, are we really starting off with this guy? Like shit talking his brother, like, but presumably died yeah. for all we, for all we, the audience knows. I was like, man, I, it's, it was a little difficult just because, yeah. you know, with that first episode, you start with the, the two brothers being tight and obviously they go to that, you know, friend get together at the bar and then maybe like two minutes later we're projected to them on the Eastern front and you know, one brother's an officer and he's like, you're a shit bag. And it's like, hold up, what happened here? And then there's a sort of switch but, again later on when, when they go and try and take out that radio station and the elder brother doesn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And the younger brother's like, I don't know where we are, what the hell we're doing, but I do expect you to lead us. That's a very, very powerful scene as well. Because the elder brother was. Just, was... just losing his mind. He's like, you know what? Six months ago, we were 300 kilometers further away than we are now. We're just going backwards. Um, and he's suddenly realizing would... the vastness of, of the task in front of them and, and the futility of it and the fact that they're losing as well. And every day they're losing ground. That was actually one of my favorite scenes in this entire series is yeah, the scene too. where he just where he fucking loses it and just charges yeah. the um well yeah, telegraph station that's it and when he gets and it, he bursts yeah. in yeah it's just a room of trashed equipment and dead bodies and he's like for all this and he just has that breakdown and him and that dude is just gonna chill there stewing yeah i think yeah, yeah. for me my my favorite arc um and it still includes the older brother but i really loved the nurse arc with uh, the character named charlie um you know the, it again it's one of those things that war movies oftentimes have like a field hospital scene or like an aid station scene and you you get a taste of it but with this story arc with charlie you're seeing like the day-to-day -day horrors of just like an endless flow of, you know, broken human beings being brought into her. And um, I feel like the, the great culminating moment with that story arc is, you know, for a brief period of time, she believes uh, 
Volker's uh, character is dead because that's what uh, his brother said. And his brother's also under this impression too because he's like, I saw him die. And uh, obviously he didn't die and he gets put into a, a penal uh, company, which is an interesting concept in and of itself to explore because um, I I haven't really heard, I'm sure there was, but I haven't really heard of like American or British penal units being like frontline duty, but it was definitely a thing with like the Germans and the Russians just because of like the all out war that they were waging. Um, but he is briefly at the hospital after she's been told he's dead and he's like, I'm not dead. I I'm, I'm alive. And he's like, he's like, thank God you're here and I can see you. And she just has a complete breakdown and it's very much the, like you can see how deep seated some of this fanaticism is because for her, she's like, you being dead is better than you being a traitor. Like I loved you and I can't handle this image of you. And for me, that was, that was a super powerful one. Yeah. And she gets, because of her, she's actually, she is actually quite idealistic, isn't she? And then there is also the scene where, I mean, she's this sort of idealistic nurse who's helping the men as they go out east and all this this great mission that they're on and all the rest of it. And then there's the scene where they she's treating this one soldier who's wounded up in bed, and he's quite um quite he's, he's got a sort of sinister arrogance about him, this soldier. And he talks to her and he he says. He says what he does, and he's part oh, of. Oh, he, I can't remember which regiment it he is. Says, but he says the Ghost Legion. We're known as the Ghost. Yeah, the Ghost Legion. Yeah, we make people disappear, and you see it register on her face. Like, what does that mean? Um, mm-hmm. That's really good as well. Like, you, you see it register on her face. Like, does that mean what I think that means? And then she's. And then we get that quick. Oh yeah, he's dead. By yeah. the way, later <laughs> in the episode. I found, and I, you know, I find it interesting um, just from the American perspective. I don't know if you being from Britain, if there's anything in your guys' history that has a, a similar correlation, but the way that they portray fanaticism in this and in recent media it it's definitely seems like they go out of their way to even if you have quote unquote good characters they still are diminished or tampered by the surrounding fanaticism where it's like they could say something that's um they'd be like i'm not so sure about this final victory it's not even like a like a screw you Adolf statement. It's just a, I'm not sure if we're, we're, we're winning guys and you'll get like a half dozen people around them. that are like, that's defeatist. Like, like, well, like you get a scene where literally uh, the younger brother gets beat up because he makes these smart, you know, these smart comments. And like for us here in America, um, I would say the biggest or closest thing we have to that is there's a lot of revisionist Mm -hmm. history that came up around our own civil war. And it's something that it's something we still struggle with today is 
portraying the Civil War accurately and what the causes were, because our Civil War was based around slavery. And uh, it's it's been a real struggle for us to, to depict that accurately just because of the whole Reconstruction and Reconciliation thing. But I find it an interesting view to see this country that participated in great atrocities like very being very forward with this is the mindset of the people of the time even the dissenting people were tampered by it yeah it's a it's a very good point that you raise i mean when i do um uh tours when we do tours uh like the uh if we go to dachau uh, I think it is, it is, whether it's enshrined in law or not, I'm not entirely sure, but every 14-year-old German student, school school student, goes to Dachau or goes. So it's met head-on at a very young age that this was the atrocities of our forefathers. So then if they were to then see... Um, that then depicted or, or the Holocaust or the atrocities depicted in sort of popular culture in TV shows later on, they're not sat there thinking that's not how it happened or, you know, that's not, we, you know, we didn't, we were part of this sort of thing. It's, it's very much in the sort of psyche because they have been educated about it at a young age um, in a no holes barred type way in a, listen, this is where we're going. This is what you're going to learn about. This is what happened may it never happen again type way um which which is really it's great i mean it's 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 an amazing thing that that they do um but of course you ask about being british um uh, and whether or not there's any revisionist stuff with us i mean yeah i mean goodness me <laughs> i mean the brits invented the concentration camp we don't really bring that up very often but in the Boer War, that's how, I mean, we were beaten in the first Boer War. and the second Boer War, when we went back, the only way to defeat the Boers was to round up their families and starve them to death in concentration camps. So, I mean, it's not a German invention. It's a British invention. Uh, and there aren't too many references to that in popular culture or TV shows or films. Um, I, we don't so much do revisionist stuff like the Civil War stuff that you guys do. We just don't deal with it at all. Right. See that's uh... the Japanese school of history lessons. <laughs> yeah the the Japanese the I Japanese method of teaching everything was fine until the Fire Nation attacked method. But man, I think I think my favorite character. What was that? Did you say something? Anyone? Uh, Jack, no. continue with okay. your thought. Anyway, I think my favorite character story was Victor's out of all of this. Victor was the, the tailor, right? Yeah, the Jewish tailor. And boy, what a time to be a Jewish tailor. No, he... Uh... Yeah. It's interesting because you're expecting him, of all the characters, 
you get the idea that he is going to be the one who bites it first. I was waiting for it. Especially, you know, just given the overall story of World War II and the Holocaust, you're like, oh, we have one Jewish character. Like, that's the one character that you're for sure thinking, like, this is what's going to happen to him. And then, like, his story just keeps changing. And you're like, you keep getting surprised by it. One thing I was curious about, though, and from what I can see, it's a common... I don't want a complaint about the series is the people he falls in with and how they're violently anti-Semitic and even giving a, the Germans a run for their money, the Polish resistance, when in reality, the Polish resistance drew heavily from escaped Jews. Well, recruited from escaped Jews from Germany. I think that was... Maybe in the specific instance, it wasn't that accurate, but I think that was meant to be more of a representation of the fact that not only the Germans yeah. were anti-Semitic, like anti-Semitic thought was very strong and prevalent amongst many groups of people in Europe at this time. It's just the Germans did the, the, the heavy lifting of atrocities against them. Yeah, I mean, was has there been a, a lot of complaint about about how that was depicted? Because I don't know. Oh yeah, quite a bit in Poland. We, I'll bet, yeah, because of Polish resistance. I don't know. It's it seemed. I don't know. To me, it seemed to ring kind of true. Maybe for the reasons that you're saying. Maybe it just dramatically seems to ring true. But I mean, there, there was great swathes of anti-Semitism at the time. Um, all over everywhere so it just, i mean it it was just one or two of the characters the leaders of that particular polish resistance that that were violently anti-semitic and it wasn't i don't think it was necessary saying that the entire polish resistance was anti-semitic because like you said um it drew heavily upon sort of a, a sort of escaped jewish people from from around the place but uh, I don't know. I I think to me it's it seemed to ring kind of true. Do you know what I mean? Like this 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 guy is running for his life, and everywhere he goes, he's up against people who hate him. It just it it seemed to me quite. That's what it is. I think it's that it's no safe space for him. That he's in he's in mortal danger whichever way he turns, unless he hides who he really is, which he can't really do. I yeah, you could really continue, Jack. Yeah, you could really feel the tension during the scenes when he's on that train to concentration camp when they're frantically like digging at the wooden floorboards with like knives or whatever they could have, whatever they could grab, and then <laughs> falling through it out of a moving train and onto the tracks. Yeah, uh, I mean it's. Potential death is better than guaranteed death. Yeah, that's a it's an easy choice to make when you're facing death down. I will say I did read a little. I read some reviews of this, and I saw that um, this show actually got some criticism for not being um, 
the show got criticism for essentially taking the holo- taking on the topic of the Holocaust easy. Like there's a lot of people who are wanting it to be more graphic and upfront and uh, what have you. And I think the biggest one was uh, the lack of, you know, our of Victor like actually making it to Auschwitz. Like we see, we see a sign that's like X amount of kilometers away from Auschwitz, and then he escapes. And I feel like that's an unfair. I feel like that's an unfair judgment of this series because when I watched it, at no point was I like they're kind of sweeping this under the rug. I'm like, no, we're we're seeing a tro- atrocity after atrocity being committed within this series. Um, we just don't see the the big camp. Yeah, it? and I mean, yeah, and and even I mean, I, I don't know. I guess as well, but you also have to think from just from a dramatic point of view. If you are putting together a series of characters and people that you want, in a sense, to cheer for, people that you want to be engaged in their story arc, and and if you've got a Jewish character that joins a resistance, escapes on the train, and you know opens the train carriages up, tries to get bodies out, and all that kind of stuff, that that's an empowered character to an extent. Um, it, 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 would it would it have pleased anybody any more from watching point of view if he'd have just gone to Auschwitz and been killed? I mean, uh, there are stories of incredible heroism. There are stories of in, you know incredible tenacity to escape uh, and standing up and fighting uh, in in small pockets everywhere. So why not tell that story? Why not make it part of this show? And then why be you know up in arms about it? It, it doesn't seem to make sense to me, that argument. It's not that they didn't depict, I mean, half of the train carriage of the escapes of these horribly, you know, wretched people who have had this terrible time who've been over emaciated. Um, when he tries to um, free all those guys in the carriage, you are seeing all that horror. But I don't, I don't see the, the issue with, with, you know, having him, um, having him, uh, you know, not not go to the camp. I think it's. I think dramatically, it's justified. So, I here's kind of a more specific question for you, uh, Matt. And sure. you know, obviously, in the series Band of Brothers, yeah. um, there's an episode where you get a very upfront view of a concentration camp landsberg yeah um what is what is it like as an actor trying to go through and portray that particular event in that realistic setting um well there was um yeah it's a good question uh no one was allowed to see the set before we went on it um usually you can just kind of wander around and you know half eat your breakfast in your hand and have a cup of coffee and see what's behind whatever door. No one was allowed to see it. Um, it was, I believe, filmed either all in one day or maybe just two days. Um, uh, everyone was given like a severe talking to beforehand because obviously it's guys hanging out and we've been hanging out for the best part of a year. So there's little cliques and we make each other laugh and all this kind of stuff. So we were, we were all sort of like set straight as to what was going to happen. Um, 
and then they sort of like open the camp gates up and they sort of everyone sort of walks in um and they had all these guys who were emaciatedly thin and there was little burning piles of stuff and everything and uh and the director david frankel i believe i don't want to speak out of turn here i believe he was the son of survivors himself so yeah it was incredibly eerie is is what i'll say just shortly it was incredibly eerie it was an incredibly eerie couple of days um and 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 there was no joy in it you know what i mean the, the whole series was incredibly fun to, to shoot but that was just it was very it was yeah it was pretty awful actually um and there was just uh, uh, there was never any attempt to sort of it was like cut all right well let's go off and do something light for a while you were just there for a couple of days in this appalling situation and you just kind of had to stand there and deal with it um and everyone kind of dealt with it in different ways and stuff and and afterwards everyone was sort of like hugging one another and thankful that it wasn't you know we were all alive really Dang. It, yeah, it's not. No, that sounds like a, a really intense experience. And uh, it just makes me wonder, um, you know, just because they didn't have a camp scene, per se, in, in this film, we still are, the the actors are still present for, you know, the, the atrocities of like the Einsatz group and whatnot. So I was just curious if you would think there would be kind of a, a similar feeling to those scenes or do you think those kind of scenes would hit you kind of like any other like action type scene no i think um i think it was really similar i think the stuff where he's uh he's executing partisans and all the stuff the brother and the scene where he wanders around and there's all the he's like treading and blood's kind of soaking up through the ground through his boots and stuff I think he particularly that actor <clears throat> I think he he was given a very thankless task and I think he portrayed it very well and you can see you can see he had a a pretty rough time of things uh for the, for the filming um I doubt very much that he bounced from one scene to a, an adrenaline film battle scene to that I think it was probably a lot of it was filmed in one sequence so that he could get the arc of it's weird because his character arc sort of it gets progressively worse but he just seems the life seems to be getting sucked out of him do you know what i mean um so by the end of it he just it looks like he just he almost doesn't care he just think he's just thinking someone please bloody shoot me he's he's like a a shell of a human Mm -hmm. absolutely that's what it appears to be you know he's almost like lent up against that gallows and he's sort of like trying to pull in the lever or whatever it is he has to do and he does just seem like a shell of a human yeah and if it, i mean it, it rang very true to me watching it um maybe he's just a brilliant actor but i would have thought if the director was any good or the producers was any good um they would have run a lot of those scenes back to back do you know what i mean in the way that they scheduled them they would have run one right. after another after another so it's just gets relentlessly friggin horrible and but at the same time there's a sort of repetitiveness to it so part of him's just going through the motions which is what he is doing as a character as well 
he is just going through the motions and just blocking it all out. It sounds like a, a very intense experience. I think oftentimes we think of actors as just like they sh show up and play they, their part and go home versus, you know, this particular subject matter and these particular scenes obviously are very draining on a person, even if you are, you know, just pretending to do these things like you, you are still dealing with those, you know, like this was a real event and this actually did happen. And now I am more or less participating in it, but you know, you're not, you're not completing the act, but you still have that feeling of, I am a participant in this now. Yeah. And I think what that is, what, I mean, what happens when you, when you, when you're an actor is, you know, if, if you're any good, I think is you fall in love with your character straight away. Um, you know, you're, you're in love with this person. You want this person to have a good, you know, a good story arc, good life. You want this person to be exciting and do fun things. You want this person to fall in love. You know, you want to be the good guy. Uh, if your character arc is involved in something horrendous like this, and it seems so real around you, it does start to affect you. Do you know what I mean? This guy did this, wait, this, you know, this, this really happened. This guy that I'm portraying did this. And then you start to ask yourself loads of different questions, you know, what would I do? You know, would I've run away. I don't know that I would have run away. I'm not particularly very brave. You know, where's he going? Um, you know, could I find myself in this sort of situation? Uh, and that, it, that sort of weighs heavy on you. And that can be pretty, you know, it can be pretty depressing. You just think, geez, this guy, this guy was just following order. And it's, it's, it is pretty rough. Yeah. So I think we can all agree that every time a um, commander or higher up in a war movie says we'll be home by Christmas to run the opposite direction. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever been right? home by that was Christmas. Our, that was our first topic of this film. Yeah, no one's ever been home by Christmas I, unless... That, that was... Santa. <laughs> they, they didn't specify which Christmas. Exactly, yeah, maybe Santa. Well, I love that they, yeah. they even made that... They made that joke in this series where I forget which character is said. It's like the final victory by Christmas. And he's like, did the Fuhrer mention which Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the new recruits that progressively get younger and younger, the more the, uh, the more the war goes on. Yeah. And they're always more and more. That was, that was one scene. That was one scene that I had a, like an immediate, it made me think about the show you were on, Band of Brothers. Yeah. Um, I think it was, uh, it was either with Perkani or Luz, I forget which one, but there's a new guy who's manning a machine gun emplacement with him. That's Perconti. And, and he keeps calling him by the, the wrong, yeah, he keeps calling him by the wrong name. It's and he's like, Brian, yeah. it's O'Keefe. He's like, you know why nobody, he's like, you know why nobody remembers your name? It's because nobody wants to. Yeah. And we, we get that exact same scene in this series where it's like, if you're still here in a month, then I'll learn your name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think some of the, you know. But it's it's interesting to see some of these tropes carry over. 
Yeah, a lot of the veterans that were that were interviewed, the uh, Easy Company veterans interviewed, especially the Tokoa guys. It, I mean, their 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 point was it wasn't personal. We just didn't want to get to know these fellas because they'd always end up dying, you know, and they'd end up dying or getting somebody else killed. You know what I mean? So it's like I that that I think is a constant throughout all combat. You know, the new recruits come in, they're full of piss and vinegar. They think I'm going to come in. You know, I've been trained now. You know, I'm going to come out of here. I'm going to do this. And they end up getting themselves killed pretty quickly, or they end up getting enlisted, you know, got, like Band of Brothers, they end up getting Tokoa men killed, and that drives the other guys insane. Do you know what I mean? This young kid's come over, he's done something kind of stupid, right. and he's got, like, some guy who's made it from Tokoa all the way to just outside Germany killed. Um, and I think that's a constant in, in all sort of combat situations, and therefore in all sort of combat TV and films, is like, Nobody wants to know the new guy. I don't want to know your name. I'm not going to be your friend. I'm not going to like you. Um, even from even in All Quiet on the Western Front, it's the same thing there as well. Cap doesn't want to know any of the new recruits either. He tries to look after them, but they're always getting themselves killed. Yeah, they they mentioned that in the Pacific too, where <clears throat> he's like, "Oh, why are you bo- why are you bothering getting to know their names? They just die." Yeah, yeah, it takes a while. Um. Also, another great series. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It takes a while for uh, Rami Malek's character to even give Sledge a name. I mean, he, then he finally calls him Sledgehammer. Right. And then he's he's watched him through a couple of battles, and finally he's Man. like got a smoke. And then he calls him Sledgehammer. Before that, doesn't want to know his name. Yeah, the the two of those guys, man, they killed it. Yeah. I love Rami Malek. Yeah, he's great, isn't he? Great, great performances in all the, the shows we've talked about. Yeah, and I feel listeners, if you haven't seen that, but, uh, if you haven't seen Generation War, go see it. Get it whenever you can. And also, there's another show called Babylon Berlin that the lead actor's in as well, which is brilliant. And it's brilliant because it's sort of Germany in the early late 20s, early 30s. Uh, as as the rise of Nazism starts, but it's really cleverly done, beautifully done, and it, you just start to see swastikas in the background and that sort of thing. It's like it's slow, it's it's happening really insipidly around them as all these different stories take place. Mm. Um, I think the Germans make fantastic television. I don't know who's putting the money in, but they put a lot of money in, particularly that show, uh, and the actors are fantastic in it. Alrighty, so. Moving on, Jack, what do you have to drink this evening? Fresca. Fresca? Yeah, I know. It's an old lady soda, but I like it. I'm trying to cut back on caffeine and sugar anyway. I've I've noticed that if you mix Fresca with tequila and do like a slice of lime, that's pretty good. Don't be telling me that. <laughs> Don't be telling me that. It is. It's it's a great combo. <laughs> yeah, if nothing else, Fresca makes for a decent mixer. What are you drinking, Matt? Uh, well, I, red wine, actually. I'm usually drinking Newcastle brown ale when I do my Ooh. podcast, but uh, I don't have any. So I stole my wife's red wine. So I've just finished my glass of red wine. Um, yeah, very nice. Red wine is amazing. I love it. It's making me go... A little bit very classy too yeah thanks man um i'm, I'm twirling it in a tumbler as we speak <laughs> like this look see 
as I, as I concoct <laughs> some evil plan, yeah. downfall. <laughs> as I concoct an evil plan, um, that's what I'm drinking. I have myself a, it's a local brewery, um, but it is a peach pale ale. It's quite delicious. Peach pale yeah. ale. You know, you got, you got to hit that. You have to hit the uh, the summer fruity beers while you still can. I do like fruity beers. Yeah, I live in England. Pale ales and IPAs, not so much. Yeah, I live in England. There's no place for peach beer where I come from. I'm afraid. That's that's a good good way to get your head kicked in ordering a peach beer where I come from. <laughs> 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 It's okay. One of my one of my go to drinks is uh, there's another local brewery around here that pretty much every place carries them on tap, and uh, they have a raspberry flavored Kolsch beer, and it is named Princess Yum Yum. Wow. <laughs> that, that used- so when I go, wow. that was my. So when I go out to the restaurant to eat or or to the bar, I'm like. I'll have a pint of Princess Yum Yum, please. <laughs> that was my drag name when I was younger. <laughs> I didn't know you were that uh, multifaceted. I'm multifaceted. Wasn't always bearded. Um, yeah, clean shaven. Princess Yum Yum. Made a lot of money. Made a lot of money. Good times. Good times. I don't like shaving my legs anymore, <laughs> so I just I gave it up. Also, I'm old with balls, so uh, that's yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, Hannah, the, the fall of many the a good drag fall queen. Of many a good drag queen, and I would be one of them, I'm afraid. But you know, the old order changes, <laughs> yielding place and time to the new. And good luck to them. Also, I I just love the sh- the look of sheer English disgust on your face when we started talking about our favorite fruity <laughs> beers. <laughs> Yeah, that is good old-fashioned English disgust. <laughs> oh, you drinking, man? It's okay. I, the I colonies think Eng- are rowdy. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, English disdain for Americans is pretty common. So, yeah, not usually from me, but the you know the beer. You need yeah, you need to have a word with yourself there. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we get too off the rails, I think it's time to uh, give this a rating. And uh, usually what we do is we give it a rating of one to five things, and then we check it against Ron Tomatoes to see if we're close or not. Okay. Uh, Jack, what do you think the, the rating sh- What do you think the rating should be, Jack? Hmm. Booby-trapped Russian wells. That is a that's a that's a great rating, and it's a shame we never got around to talking about that particular scene. But yeah, that was a huge ass explosion. What did they do? <laughs> Packed it full of cork composite, probably, and then just blew it up. Knowing those crazy armorers. Uh, great. Yeah, All man, right. they had no intention of getting away with that either. Either they just took their lickings. Yeah. Gotta gotta respect the gotta respect that. So anyway, Matt, yeah. One to five 
explosive wells what do you give this series uh i'll give it uh four and a half exploded wells uh but when you go near the half of the well it's still maybe simmering and ticking so it might be five <laughs> it might go off again uh okay perhaps there's a pia- piano nearby <laughs> that if you play the well goes up i'm not sure but i'll give it four and a half exploded wells uh which is the weirdest thing i've said for a while um four and a half exploded wells uh yeah didn't think i'd be saying that today jack that that sounds about right i like the way he put it four four wells and one's iffy yeah <laughs> sizzling. one sizzling ticking uh ticking ominously <laughs> I will say I'll give it a solid four exploded wells. Um, it my I think my biggest ding for it is I had a hard time keeping the characters straight in my brain, um, and that's more of a personal issue. But yeah, if if we could have chose a different name for either Friedhelm or we Wilhelm. Uh, that would have been tremendously helpful to me. But. So, shall we then say that it's four and a half um, exploded wells, but your brain has only two and a half exploded wells? <laughs> yeah, we could we could do that. Your, your processing issues have two and a half exploding wells. Jack, what is what does Ron Tomatoes give this? So, this is another. <clears throat> I love it when this happens. Another critical divide. So the critics give this a 61%, but the audience gives this a 95%. Oh, wow. And you you know me, I usually go with the um, audiences. I usually trust that metric more so than the nose in the air critics. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with the, the audience rating on this. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, don't. I think it's like, I, like I said earlier, some of the criticisms of this show is kind of unnecessary. Yeah, don't trust people who are paid it's to complain nitpicky. for a living. Yeah, don't like nit- <laughs> trust us who do it for free, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> grab a microphone and do it for free. I'm still negative dollars on this adventure. So, oh, cool. All right. So trust people who are in debt to do it. But uh, yes, exactly. I'm doing this purely out of the goodness of my heart. All right, boys. So I got to jump off for I'm... you, the listener, because that's how much we love about our. That's how much we love our fans. Indeed. Well, fans, I got to jump uh, off. One of them. I got something else I got to do that involves blowing up wells. So I better go. Sounds good. <laughs> So that was uh, Matthew Leach, uh, actor and podcaster extraordinaire. We're so grateful to have had him with us. <laughs> I know I've never felt more disappointed in my drink choices. Expert in bringing today. the British band. Jack, is this how you feel? <laughs> <laughs> but no. I thrive um, on English disgust. <laughs> Obviously, he had to, to leave us a little early. 
Um, be sure to check him out. He is on Instagram. He has his own account under uh, Matthew Leach. And uh, if you want to check out his podcast, which is We Happy Few 506, give that a listen. It's a great time. Jack, do you uh, have anything? All right. Well, if you like the show, please uh, be sure to leave a review. The stars do matter. Um, If you want additional content from us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Armchair Commanders Podcast. Uh, We are also on YouTube under the History Apprentice channel. Um, Whose turn? Is it my turn or your turn? For next week's movie you know i don't remember i'll claim it i think i might be you i don't know i need to look hmm. just, you know what wait, i'll take it screw you well damn i don't know yeah i think it's your turn oh, yes. anyway because I think I picked okay. 300, so, then the guests invaded. <clears throat> Pre or post World War II? Post? Pre. Post. Making it difficult for me. Actually, no. Pre. Oh, yes, you do that pre. all the time. I love making things hard for you. <laughs> All right. Pre-World War II. Shut up, Let's bitch, I know. do... Um... <laughs> you know what? Let's do... Kingdom of Heaven 2005. The yeah. theatric cut, not the director's cut. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Which, for our fans at home, is about the Crusades. Stars Orlando Bloom, uh, Liam Neeson, a whole bunch of other people. Jeremy, Iron- Jeremy <laughs> Irons is in it. That one actor that was in that one thing. This this has a lot of lot of uh, side actors, but <clears throat> do you have anything else, Jack? I do not. Alrighty. Well, thank you all for joining us again, and thanks again to our guests for joining us. We will catch you next week. Bye.